Welcome back. I'm here today with Troy Downing. Troy, welcome to today's show. Thank you. Thanks for having me. So Troy, you, you lived an absolutely remarkable life. You've done a lot of different things throughout your life. So for the listeners, can we get to know Troy? Maybe where did you grow up and you know, okay. school? and uh, Yeah, I uh, kind of uh, somewhat austere beginnings. I, uh, uh, I was born in the Los Angeles area, but I, I grew up in the desert in Indio, California, near the Salton Sea. Um, and, uh, you know, I was, uh, well, here's the plain truth. I was, I was a high school accident. So, uh, my, uh, my parents were never married and, um, my mom, uh, she eventually, uh, married a man who I, who, who adopted me and I, and I took his name, uh, Michael Downing and he was in and out of our family and had, had two siblings from him, uh, uh, you know, with him and my mother. And it was uh, it was an interesting childhood growing up in the desert. You know, we we didn't we didn't have much. Uh, my parents eventually divorced, and my mom, uh, you know, who I'm incredibly uh, proud of, you know, was able to raise three kids on her own and uh, started out as a checker in a grocery store, and then eventually was working in the deli in a grocery store. But you know, very very austere beginning and. Uh, you know, one of the things that I realized uh, early on in my life is I needed to be somewhere else and something more, and I needed to I needed to get out of the desert. And when I did get out of the desert, when I graduated high school, I left and um, eventually ended up on the other coast in New York and ran out of dirt, so I couldn't get any farther away from there. And uh, after uh, a brief, uh, a brief career in the arts. I went to school out there to New York University in the Courant Institute of Mathematical Sciences, and that started a real different journey in my life. Um, I uh, eventually was hired as a research scientist in the Media Research Lab. Well, I was one of the founding members of the Media Research Lab, and at that time in my life, in my you know early twenties, uh, I was surrounded by just really smart people trying to do neat things and we were well funded we had you know grants from the defense department from microsoft from apple from silicon graphics all this money just pouring into this lab and all we had to do were neat things and write papers about it and it was at the time that time in our life it was just uh it was just an amazing place to be just just very very exciting and um eventually it, it, at NYU, um, somebody in the lab had introduced me to this thing that these particle physicists were doing out in Switzerland that they called a browser. And uh, at the time, I was really interested in it, but had no idea the profound effect it was going to have on my life. Um, because I started, I started playing with that and trying to to build it and building. You know, this was the beginnings of what we now you know know as the as the internet, and um, uh, when I started building ways of, of expanding that, uh, I eventually was approached by a publisher to write a book about it. And I wrote a book that, you know, did a couple of emergency reprintings. And like anybody that writes a book on, you know, technology, I took that book down to uh, the dean of the information technology department at NYU and said, you need to use this as a textbook. And his response was, uh, yes, and I need you to teach the course. And so that started my teaching career. And uh, it's really interesting at this point because I, I don't have an undergraduate degree yet. I'm still a you know a, a, you know a undergraduate student in the computer science department, and uh, all of a sudden I'm putting together curriculum and hiring teachers for a, a, a certificate program in internet technologies. And 
if you kind of fast forward there, I had this this experience. I used to write a lot of sample code, um, little little programs to teach, and I'd, I'd, I'd give the code out so that students could use it and expand or, or steal it to you know build bigger and better things. And one of the things that I did is I built this little Troy's Magic 8-Ball. And it was a really simple program. You ask it questions, and um, it would give you random answers. And uh, actually, as an aside, one of the interesting things, I used to log all the questions. And the number one question was one form of, is there a God? Which I thought was kind of interesting. The number two question, uh, I don't know if I can say on uh, uh, <laughs> on this program, but was uh, something about uh, you know uh, finding a partner. Uh, I'll say to put it loosely. And I was it was always kind of interesting to watch how those trends would come in it. But anyway, I, I, I digress a little bit. So one day I'm going to teach my class, and I'm served a cease and desist letter from Tyco Industries because hmm. Magic Eight Ball is is a trademark of, of Tyco. And I was so excited. I walked into my class with the cease and desist letter. And they're all wondering why I'm so excited I'm being sued. And I explained to them that, uh, you know, this to have, when I started out in, in technology, anybody that was connected to the internet was military or uh, education or a few technology companies. To have a toy company doing trademark protection on the internet well, this is going to change the world. This is going to change how we communicate. This is going to change how we do business. This is going to change everything. I was so excited about it. And this light bulb went off. And uh, so I, uh, I resigned uh, after that semester from my research position and my teaching position. And of course, my mom yelled at me. And I started a, uh, a one-man technology company called WebCal. And what I did was internet-based groupware. So calendaring and scheduling for, for companies. And the first company that called me and asked for a, a, a site license was uh, Schlumberger Well Services out in Austin, Texas. And they wanted a 55,000 seat site license. I, I didn't know what I was doing, so I made up a number and they FedExed me a check. And I said, okay, that was probably not enough. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> Troy, I need to take a quick break. Uh -huh. I'm visiting here today with Troy Downing. And, uh, and, and Troy, when we come back, you did something really special moving into the revolutionize of the, uh, the internet as we know it today. And we'll, we'll get into that right after these messages. Great. So. Since you can't take your wealth with you, spend time with your family. Welcome back. I'm visiting here today with Troy Downing. And, and Troy, in the first segment, we looked at, uh, you know, uh, what brought you up and, and, you know, through life, your, your, your history, through school, research assistant, and then you left and you started it into the entrepreneurial world. Right. WebCal, right. 55,000 seat license to Schlumberger. Right. But, but you went on from that to do something really special. And what was that? Right. Well, after that, uh, you know, it's interesting because I got a bunch of other larger contracts. Schlumberger introduced me to Exxon and then AT&T and then US West. And I realized that it was bigger than me. And so I, I built out the company and brought some colleagues I'd worked with at NYU and some other uh, friends from the industry. And we started out the company for, for real. 
And um, we started doing hosted services and, and, and started to make a footprint. You know, people started calling us. Uh, New York Times uh, called and interviewed me at one point. And uh, as things started to progress, we started getting the interest of other companies. And uh, the first one was uh, Microsoft called us and they were interested in buying us. Again, you know, this was my first real foray into a business like that. And so I got, we had, you know, counsel dealing with them going back and forth on term sheets. And then I got a call from another company, a telecom company out of Atlanta. They wanted to buy us. And then a, a company that did synchronization software for Palm Pilots, if you remember that, they wanted to buy us. So all this is going back and forth. And uh, it was uh, it was exciting, but it was scary. You know, you have this, you know, this fear that they're going to figure out how to do it on their own and put you out of business or, you know, they're just just the fear of the unknown. And so we're going down the path of that. And then another company called us that I wasn't really interested in talking uh, to at the fir- in the first place. It was uh, out of California. Um, you know, it started out with some Stanford grad students, and they built this directory that uh, you know I wasn't really that keen on in the beginning. And uh, they started talking to us, and I. Um, Flew out to California. I was actually, I used to run marathons back then. I was flying out to uh, run the um, uh, San Diego Rock and Roll Marathon. And uh, right after that, the next day, limping a little bit, I flew up to uh, Silicon Valley and met with uh, the guys from Yahoo. I met with Jerry Yang and David Philo and Tim Kugel and those guys and started talking to them about where they were going with Yahoo and what they wanted to do with it. And I love the team. I love the ideas. Uh, it seemed like a good synergy. And so everything else was pushed aside. And we ended up shortly after doing a pooling of interest merger with uh, Yahoo back in, I was 98. And it was a very, very exciting time. I mean, we were uh, masters of the universe back then. We were the 800-pound gorilla that was solving all these problems that had never been solved before and really creating a new type of media. And it was a Again, the same feeling I had back at the Media Research Lab, surrounded by smart people doing neat things, and it was just a very exciting time. I ended up staying in technology, uh, doing some uh, uh, technology venture, and and you know was with Yahoo for for a number of years until I just got out of technology in 2001. I'd kind of gotten what I wanted out of that. I had you know been more successful than I, I ever. Hit on the 2001. Something happened there after 9-11. What was that? Well, what happened after 9-11 is, you know, as I said, I'd have had a life-changing experience in technology. And I was up hunting in Alaska. And um, I was moose hunting. And uh, I noticed towards the end of the trip that planes stopped flying. And, um, you know, no contrails, no bush pilots. And uh, I knew something had happened. I had no idea what until the bush pilot finally came and picked us up and he landed on the lake in this grumman goose, tailed into shore, turned the engines off, opened his window and stuck his head out, you know, oh, stuck his head out the window and, and, and just shouted, you know, guess what? I'm like, what? They blew up the World Trade Center. I'm like, who? And uh, he used a derogatory term I'm not going to repeat. And I'm just confused. I'm like, both of them? Yeah, took them both down. And I'm picturing these towers just falling over and, and, and taking out lower Manhattan because I haven't seen it on, on, on TV. And it really had a profound effect on me. And, you know, I talked to you a little bit about my, you know, somewhat austere beginnings. And now I'm out in you know, Alaska. I've got my, my, I'm a pilot. I got my airplane parked a couple hundred miles away. And I've been very successful. And 
My nation was under attack. And, and Troy, I want you to hold that proud because from there, it was a life-changing moment that I do need to take this break. Okay. Visiting here today with Troy Downing, and uh, we've been talking about his, his life path in 2001 after 9-11. He did something really, really special, and we'll get into that right after these messages. I love fishing, you know, with my family. I think it would be easier to use a net. It was so much fun. The times when we are together, it makes it all, all the more worth it. Having Dad teach them how to, like, cast a fly rod and... As long as we're doing stuff together, we're having fun. Some people see a father and his son fishing together, while others see a succession plan. Welcome back. I'm visiting here today with Troy Downing, and we've been visiting about you know your career path, and your, your early early stage at uh, Yahoo, and in 2001, you're sitting in the you you know left the technology reading. You're sitting in the the bush remotely in Alaska. You get this announcement that uh, World Trade Centers have blown up, and I want to pick it up from there. What were you feeling? You know, like most Americans, I mean, the first thing is, uh, you know, I'm not ashamed to admit, I, I just cried. I mean, uh, I, I'd never, I mean, none of us had ever really expected to be hurt that deeply on our own shores. And my next emotion really was, was shame. You know, I'd, I'd been very successful and I felt that I had taken advantage of all the opportunities that I had as an American and really built, you know, my own version of the American dream. And I'm sitting there in Alaska um, on a moose hunting trip with my plane parked a few hundred miles away. You know, I've been basically retired trying to figure out what, what, what's next. And I was ashamed that I had never done anything meaningful to be part of a solution, to help, to give back for everything I'd taken advantage of. of. And I knew I had to do something, but I didn't know what. And I had a little time to think about it because uh, the bush pilot got me to Dillingham, which is where my plane was parked, and I flew that down to Ketchikan, which is on the Canadian border, because the borders hadn't opened yet, and I couldn't fly over Canada. And uh, shortly after they opened the borders, I flew down, so I had a little bit of time to think about it. And I walked into a recruiter's office and uh, um, said, you know, I used to teach at NYU, I've got a pilot's license, what can you do with me? And they said, go take the ASVAB. Yeah, I was non-prior military. I didn't know what it was at the time. They say, well, it's a vocational aptitude battery. So I went and took the ASVAB. I came back to the recruiter, and he looked at my, my score and uh, scored pretty, pretty high. Oh, come on. And, You're modest. But your my, score my, was... my composite was a 99. 99, and, uh, okay. So the recruiter said, well, you know, you qualify for any, any job that I offer. And so uh, it's a little embarrassing to say. But uh, he... Um, so I said, well, that's, that's the point. I want to be part of a solution. What, what can you use me for where I have something to offer? And he asked if I thought about going into Intel. And I said, I've never thought about going into anything, but, you know, what would that entail? And he described Intel, you know, following troop movements, weapons, you know, uh, that, that sort of stuff. And I would just come out of a very long career from, you know, teaching to startup company to Yahoo to technology. And and I said, you know, I don't think I'm going to be effective sitting in a dark room staring at a computer. Um, so he said, well, I want you to talk to Chief Rhodes. And he, he brought this guy in um, who told me the story. He says, we fly these, you know, 22,000-pound helicopters in formation 50 feet off the deck in the middle of the night with night vision goggles on. We go out in the desert. We find busted-up kids, and we bring them home. 
I raised my hand and I got sworn in. I went off to uh, basic, went to uh, SEER school, went to uh, flight school in, uh, in Albuquerque and uh, ended up uh, doing two tours to Afghanistan uh, in support of Operation Enduring Freedom as a HH-60 PAVOC helicopter flight engineer. And um, I got to I got to say that uh, it was one of the the best things I've done in my life. Um, you know, one, one of the things I like to joke about is uh, is nobody's ever upset when search and rescue shows up. <laughs> but just the you know, first of all, it always makes your heart kind of go in your throat a little bit when you do see who's in the back of the helicopter. You know, when you're out picking somebody up, but it makes you feel so good that you got them home. You know, that you got them out of there. You know, it's interesting, Troy, here you had a remarkable, you know, you're just remarkably successful in the technology sector. You don't have to do this. No. But, you know, and then you, you put your life on the line, you know, to, to bring others home. Right. Well, um, you know, I have to disagree on one thing. You okay. say I didn't have to do it, but I, I had to do it. Okay. I had to do something. And that was a very personal thing. And one of the things that made me kind of realize, you know, the little bit of selfishness in that is the first time I got deployed to Afghanistan and I've got my young daughter who was probably 10 or 11 at the time asking me if I was going to get killed. And all of a sudden it hit me that, you know, I'd really dragged so many other people into this. Um, and I remember having that conversation with my daughter saying, you know, there's going to be bad guys over there trying to hurt me, but I'm pretty tough and I'm pretty smart and I'm pretty ornery. And I think, uh, I don't think they're going to be successful, but there are going to be people trying to, to hurt me. But my plan is to come back and, and, and see you when I'm done. But, but I have to do this. And again, like my mom yelling at me when I left it, uh, left NYU, she yelled at me again. And she's saying, well, you don't have to go, do you? And I'm saying, no, I, I do have to go. Um, yes, I probably could get out of this if I, if I really didn't want to deploy, but I didn't come here as a, a vacation or field trip. I did this because I needed to be part of a solution. So, and, Troy, where are we at today with this country? Oh, so much. You know, it, that, 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 that's a loaded and, and then long question. I don't know if we have enough but, time but on your you, program. But, but, yeah. but, but you moved into... Uh, just like at the 9-11, now, now you're on a platform where you're, you're seeking to turn some things around. Right, right. What is well, I'm, I'm, I'm tired of the dysfunction. I'm tired of there not being adults in the room. I'm tired of just the friction that we're seeing. I'm tired of career politicians deciding what happens in this country. I'm tired of the central government sticking their tendrils farther and farther into our lives. It wasn't designed to be that way. I want to just beat them back with a stick and get back to the point where the government is there for basic protection and infrastructure and you're free to live your life. I want to get to a point where they're not trying to tell you what you can or can't do. I want you to be able to make your own decisions and reach for the brass ring and if you catch it, bask in the glory of your success. If you don't catch it, you fall and you have to lick your own wounds. But nobody is regulating or telling or trying to make you conform to something that doesn't allow that to thrive. And one of the things that that you know, is really, you know, I've kind of gone off a little bit on, 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 a, seg on a, a side note there. But one of the things that I'm really frustrated with is we're, I'm tired of the career politician. I'm tired of sending lawyers and career politicians to, to Washington that stay there for 20, 30, 40 years. 
uh, after you've been there that time, that long, you're institutionalized. You're not, you're not relevant to modern America. You haven't built something. You haven't experienced what it's like in a non-political life. And I want to get back to the point where you take members of your community, you send them to represent you. They do the work of the people and they go home and you send the next generation of, of ideas and, and company builders and, and service members and people who have lives that are outside of politics and I want to be part of that change. Troy, one thing that you and I have in common is Montana. Right. And how does Montana play in this change? Last best place. Um, you know, I, I, I told you I grew up in California and was not happy where I grew up, moved as far away as I could, ran out of dirt in New York. And when I uh, did my deal with uh, Yahoo, that obviously brought me back to California and I needed to find something different. I wanted someplace in the mountains, someplace where I could hunt and fish and hike and have my kids run around amongst trees. And I, I had heard something about uh, this place in Montana and I'd never been there before. And this is winter of 98. And I flew out there and instantly fell in love with it, with the, the wildness, the majesty, the people, the attitude, everything. I, I just loved it. And so I bought some land and the next year I built a house. And so that's what going 19 years ago now. And uh, they just can't get rid of me now. I mean, I, I, I love the state. Um, obviously, my work, you know, uh, kept a connection with California for longer than I wish it did. But, you know, my heart's always been in Montana. And uh, um, I, I just don't know what to, to say about it. If you like to be outside, if you like to be free, if you like the this amazing world that God has given us, you, you should visit Montana. And recent, recently you filed to go against the incumbent for, for the Senate seat? Yes, I did. I am uh, I'm a candidate for U.S. Senate. I'm running in the 2018 midterms against the Democrat incumbent, John Tester. And how do you feel that uh, things are going so far? You know, it's interesting because uh, I've got a, a lot of friends. I mean, I, I've been involved in politics even though I haven't run for office. and. Uh, you know, I've been I've been warned about certain things, you know, about Montanans or especially, you know, the party in Montana not uh, not giving me a warm welcome. And uh, my experience has been the opposite. You know, I, I've had a lot of very positive feedback. You know, I, I addressed the um, uh, officers uh, convention for the Montana GOP in Billings about a month ago and was very well received. A lot of people came up to me afterwards and they were in, inviting me to their um, uh, to their counties for their uh, for their meetings and inviting me to their festivals and their fairs. And, you know, it's been uh, it's actually makes me feel really good. I know the opposition's coming and I know they're about to, you know, any day they're going to start trying to find what's wrong with Troy Downing. But I have to say right now it's been or up to this point, it's been it's been very positive and I, I feel very good about it. I think one of the things is, is I think I resonate with Montanans because I didn't come there to change it. I came there to preserve it. I, I love the state. I love the people. And I think they see that. And I think they also see that I care about my country, that I have served. And Montana being, you know, a, a, one of the largest percentage of, of veterans um, in the population there, you know, I, I think that that resonate, that story resonates with them the most. But one of the things that I want to be really clear on is, yes, I've done a lot of things in my life, but I want my message to resonate with Montanans, and I want them to see that I am trying to preserve what's great about, I'm, I'm sorry, because I know you're not, you're from there, but you don't know there, but the, the, the greatest state in the union. And uh, that, that's my goal. Absolutely, Philip. Troy, we're out of time today. 
appreciate you being on today's show. Thanks.